Hello, this is Eric Braden. You're listening to TV Confidential. There was once, many years ago, an old farmer by the name of Matthew Moore. Ed Robertson, along with Greg Airbark, Jonathan, David Dixon, and our guest, house, David Franken. David recently provided the voice of the narrator in Ben Wickey's stop-motion puppet herbs, animation and adaptation of The House of the Seven Gables. The House of the Seven Gables is now available on DVD through ArkhamBazaar.com as part of the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival Best of 2018 collection. David Franken will also be appearing at the Trek Conderoga weekend in Ticonderoga, New York on August 23rd, August 24th, and August 25th. David is also profiled in the May to August edition of Film Facts magazine. You can find Film Facts magazine wherever publications are sold. Before we went to break, David was talking about how he prepared himself to play characters who had a nervous breakdown on film, which he did in the movie King Rat, as well as in the classic Star Trek episode, Is There in Truth No Beauty? As we pick up the conversation, if you were to do it now, you would do it differently because you're a different person That's with more right. experience. And But in a way, it goes back to your early training you know, with looping and your early training in radio, where you know that, uh, especially if you're doing something live, you've got to cover something in exactly 90 seconds. Yeah. So when the red light goes on, you go right into it and you do exactly what you got to do. Think on your feet until the red light goes off. And so yeah. I'm guessing I'm not an actor. I just talk to actors on the radio, but I'm guessing there's a little bit of that going into that performance at that moment. Yes, the, there is the stress of knowing you've got to produce when that red light goes on. And and from maybe panic, fear, I don't know, uh, it all channels uh, um, positively into having the breakdown. And, of course, in, in uh, Star Trek, I got to run around a lot and scream and holler before I died and had the breakdown. Well, I was having the breakdown then, of course. So helpful, though, on Star Trek. The cinematographer had a... Camera on his shoulder, and he said, "Now you show, do whatever you want to do, David. I'm with you. Show me where you want to stop for a second, so we can get a close up of you're doing all this." From the moment I start going bananas up until the time that that uh, that William Shatner stops me, uh, I just ha- it was just it was one take. Thank you. That was thanks to the cinematographer, you know. Uh, and when I hit the marks, I showed him where I would try to stop and bang my head against the wall, the wall you know. And then one more, two stops, and then bang into Shatner. And he, he did it all in one take, this wonderful cinematographer. That was Jerry Finnerman, who your friend Ralph Sinensky wonderfully describes as a painter of light. Did he really? Uh, yeah. He did a Apparently, Ralph was doing the next episode, and he got fired. Yes, yes. Ralph talks about that on his wonderful blog, Sinensky.com. If you want to learn the details of that, go to Sinensky.com. You're talking about how you developed a reputation for um, because going bananas. for going bananas. Now, if you were sending out your eight by ten glossy today with your resume, uh, re- resume today, in addition to one's credits. One would list does X number of dialects, does accents, you know, fluent in this, that, the other thing. Yeah. Today they would add fluent in five languages and could go bananas on a cube. <laughs> well, you know, Ed brought up an interesting point, too, about your radio background. You said you did that in one take. What's truly extraordinary beyond the fact that it was all blocked out yes. is that 
you were probably given a time amount to go crazy. Oh, yes, indeed, yes. So yeah, doing that, all of that in a finite time is yeah. extraordinary. That all adds to the stress you need to go crazy. Yeah. Plus, you made Star Trek history because you had to have a very over-the-top kind of scene, and you weren't William Shatner. <laughs> That's right. Okay. All and right. actually, David was one of the few characters of whom Dr. McCoy really did say, he's dead, Jim. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, there should uh, be a club. <laughs> there really only yes. like two of them. There, there very much should be. Uh, let's see. You mentioned the Gallant Men. That was Bill Reynolds' show before he did the FBI. That's right, yes. Now, Bill Reynolds, I didn't realize until I saw this wonderful William Wyler film, Carrie, mm -hmm. with Laurence Olivier, that William Reynolds played Laurence Olivier's son in that. Did you know that? Yes, he did. I didn't know that. Wow. Because uh, halfway through my, my five episodes, Bill went and somebody else came in to play that supporting character to Ephraim, and I can't remember who this uh, is. I think that'd be Shelley Novak. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. So I always felt sorry for Bill Reynolds because, I mean, he was lucky to be working. All actors feel that, you know. God, he's in a series, you know. But he obviously, he wasn't going to get the meaty parts that Ephraim was given uh, each week, you know. Yes, whenever they doled out the undercover assignments, yeah. Ephraim, as Erskine, always got the urbane, you know, yes. um, he got the better assignments, whereas Bill would have to work night shift or on the, on the yes. loading dock. Yes. And Bill, as Colby, would always get the assignment that was more likely to get beat up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> once yeah. he got, yeah. like, he had to be an accountant once or something, yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, he did not get the sexy assignments, but... Bill, being a working actor, yeah. you know, he had exactly the right attitude. Oh, yes, um, indeed. And, did. in fact, he said... I had a chance to chat with Bill um, a few months ago. Oh, good. right here? Well, uh -huh. I'm working on a book on the FBI. So I, ca oh. I came to Bill. Hopefully, when that is done, Bill will come here, or we will bring the show to Bill. But he mentioned that he was the lead on The Gallant Men with Robert McQueenie. But he said, I wish, oh. and he's comparing his experience with Ephraim uh, on the FBI. He said, I wish... I had the experience of working with Ephraim at the time I did The Gallant Men oh, because because yes, yes. we're talking about how the lead sets the tone on yeah, the oh, set. Yes, yes, of course. And, and again, he's he also considers Ephraim the Rolls-Royce of people, uh, Rolls-Royce of actors in terms of not only what he brought to his craft, but just creating the environment of wanting to be there on a set. Yes, oh, yes. He purred along. <laughs> he did. Ephraim purred yeah. along. And I understand Angela Lansbury belongs to that category as well. As a, as a what? Rolls-Royce of people and oh, performance. Yeah, oh, I would say so, yes. I, I didn't get to work with her. We got to the point of her saying, we have something good for you to do, David. But I was committed to doing something else at the same time. And so the moment passed and I never got to do uh, an episode of Murder, She Wrote. Although we were, we've been friends since 1970. That's the next best thing. Well, yes, of course, yes, yes, yeah. And my introduction to Angela was she was on her hands and knees in the rubble of a house that had just burned down looking for her jewels. 
And then uh, having found them, she said, okay, let's go and eat. A neighbor in Malibu had given Peter and Angela a place roof over their heads. She went in and made an Irish stew. While she was making the Irish stew, Abe Lastfogel, who was one of mm-hmm. the big agents, mm-hmm. came in to chat with her about uh, some problem on a play she was about to do. And she said, uh, oh, in this one I get raped on stage. And so uh, Abe's come in to kind of you know, uh, work that out with me now. Um, and so all of this went on the day her house burned down. Oh, wow. She didn't bat an eyelid. She did indeed purr along. <laughs> I have a friend named Eddie Shapiro. He interviewed her. He did a book on the great leading ladies of Broadway. Mm. And he has, he has a chapter on Angela. And I believe he interviewed her from her apartment in New York. Oh, yes. And the takeaway from reading that chapter is there was no evidence of her awards in her apartment. Oh. You know? We've been in that apartment, and you're right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what strikes you is this could be anybody's place. Yeah. 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 That just says a lot about who she is as a person. It's like... Yeah. But in, in her house here... She does. She has a, a room with uh, lighting on, on glass shelves of, of the Tony Awards. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when we saw her, she had just won the, finally won the, she should have had it years ago, Lifetime Achievement Award. Mm-hmm. So we said, may we see the Academy Award? So she went in and got him, and she said, here's the old boy. <laughs> waving. Dave, David is waving it. Yeah. <laughs> hold it. Very, it's very heavy if you've ever held one. And so, oh, we, you know, don't drop it, don't drop it. They hadn't even got her names on it at that point, still her name, you know. So maybe not in New York, but I think here, certainly she was... Well, she's got them up there. But yeah. Yeah, it was funny when she handed it to us, and we were like, oh, God, this weighs a ton. And she said, but David said, you see people waving these things around on TV, but it's, it's so heavy. Yeah. And she said, when someone's yes. just handed you one, you can wave it around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You're talking about her uh, lack of pretension yes. and not, not being the star and yes. all of those things. In the movie, that's entertainment. They show a banquet oh, when yes, MGM, you know, yeah, when they're all panning by yes, all the stars. Yes, we just yes. saw that, yes. And yeah. they're all chatting, and yeah. some of them know the camera's on, and they're all like being on camera and all being, darling, darling, yeah, darling. Right. The only one who doesn't care the camera's on is eating that food is Angela Lansbury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's right. And Judy Garland, who's yeah. chatting to someone. Yeah. The camera. Yeah. No pretension. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Angela's, yeah, yeah, chomping away. <laughs> David Frankham is with us in the studio. David Frankham, the voice of Sergeant Tibbs in 101 Dalmatian, and an actor all of you know from his appearances in such films and TV series as Return of the Fly, Master of the World, Tales of Terror, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Maverick, 77 Sunset Strip, the FBI, the original Star Trek, and most recently, the narrator of Ben Wickie's stop-motion puppet animation adaptation, of the House of the Seven Gables. The House of the Seven Gables is now available on DVD through ArkhamBazaar.com as part of the HP Lovecraft Film Festival Best of 2018 collection. David Franken will also be appearing at the Trek Conderoga Weekend in Ticonderoga, New York on August 23rd, August 24th, and August 25th. David is also profiled in the May to August edition of Film Facts magazine. You can find Film Facts magazine wherever publications are sold. This is a fluke of the calendar, 
But we are recording this on Thursday, January 24th, one day after Wednesday, January 23rd, which happened to be Ernie Kovacs' 100th Uh, birthday. And uh, as our listeners know, we had Josh Mills on a few weeks ago to talk about some of the many, many events, both on television and in various parts of the country, to commemorate the 100th birthday of Ernie Kovacs. I told you this uh, before we started recording, David. During the Christmas holidays, I watched Kovacs on Music, which I had talked about, I've read about, but I don't remember actually singing Mm. until I watched it uh, during the Christmas holidays. And at one point, 15 minutes, there's a sketch where Ernie is explaining how music is used to punctuate sound effects. And... I look up. It, it is a. Um, it's supposed to be a takeoff of Romeo and Juliet. I look up and there's there's David Frankum. I said that one's David. <laughs> oh heck, now you've told all your listeners about how corny I was. Oh Romeo. no, no, you were delightful. In fact, you had one of the toughest roles because you were the straight man. Yes, indeed, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. What a lovely, lovely man. Oh gosh, he was. Uh, and that was a wonderful show. I remember Edie Adams being very, very pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so she, for her aria, the obligatory aria mm-hmm. that she was singing, uh, she had to sit with a, a Dutch door, when, you know, when a top part opens, mm-hmm. so the bottom part hit the part that she was pregnant. And also, oh, and then whenever there was a break, Ernie would come over and, and, and rub Edie's stomach. <laughs> Right in front of everybody. Oh, you know, I thought, like, he's going to give, she or it's going to give birth any minute right now on the set, you know. And there was also Louis Jordan, mm-hmm. who sang Gigi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was Andre, Andre Previn. Previn. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I remember, for some Ernie Kovacs reason, I had a violin made of, uh, I don't remember what it was made of, but my my violin was made of spaghetti. Mm-hmm. And, I, and with Andre Previn conducting, the whole group of us, including Louis Chaudin, I think, were all sawing away on our phony violins with spaghetti. That's just typically... And bubbles coming out of the instruments yes, or something. That's just typically Ernie Kovacs. And I remember the night he died. Um, by then, three of us used to play bridge with Rock Hudson, mm-hmm. two, two nice ladies and me. I had done... Uh, the Spiral Road with him, and mm-hmm. at that point he mm-hmm. asked me if I played bridge, and I said no. Uh, and he said, good, you could be dummy, would you mind? <laughs> t- type. So anyway, for a long time I did that, and one evening when the four of us were driving down to uh, the beach house, we were way down south, Lido Isle. Yeah. So anyway, on the radio suddenly, oh, uh, backtrack a bit, mm-hmm. Edie had just been in Love or Come Back yes. with Rock and Doris, mm-hmm. and on the radio we suddenly heard we were actually driving along almost to that utility pole where Ernie's car crashed and killed him, that Ernie had died. Mm-hmm. Rock pulled over to the side of the road immediately. There were no cell phones then and went in and used somebody's phone just to leave a message for Edie, if I can help here, I'm, I'll be at the beach house, call me. You know, that was, that was typically of him. He was, as far as I knew, I didn't know anything about the rumors or anything else. He was like a big brother to me. Mm-hmm. I mean this quite honestly. Yeah. His girlfriend at the time was the wonderful Marilyn Maxwell. I mean, they were, you know, so anyway. Let's see the here. No, there, but that was, that was the night that Ernie died, that, that Rox w- must have been one of the first people to get to. Yeah. He used to say, call me if I can help in any way. 
Do you remember how you came to work on that special? Did you have to audition? Was there a call out for... It, it was an audition. Yeah. And I, I hadn't done much comedy. I'd done uh, Jack Benny, and I had Bo, Bob Hoban the years ahead. So I, I had not seen his, his shows. I didn't know much about him. I had no idea what to expect. But there was such geniality about him. And he called me kid, which always endears, you, you know, to whoever's calling you kid. And he just said, well, there's, there's this sketch. Uh, are you up for some Shakespeare? And I said, truthfully, I said, well, Mr. Kovacs, I've never done Shakespeare. He said, that's okay, that's okay. So what, what do you think? And he said to me, what do you think? <laughs> and, I, and I said, well, me? Well, I want to do it. Yes, yes. So that was it. That was it. <laughs> he had a regular director on that show, Barry uh, Shear, but I understand that when it came to laying out what to do, Ernie was basically like the second director. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He was everywhere. Everywhere. Yes. Wherever you saw the director, yeah. Ernie was right beside him, happily, you know, pointing out things to do and little things that just came to him. He was so creative. Creativity just bubbled out of Ernie Kovacs. Wonder. I'm so proud that I got to do that show. And it holds up. Good. It holds up. David Frankham is with us in the studio to share a few recollections of his film and TV career. Greg Airbar and Jonathan David Dixon are with us. We hope you'll stay with us when we continue our conversation with David Frankham here on TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, author friend Donna Allen Figueroa, who I understand has a new book out. Yes, it's entitled Fall Again Beginnings. It's the first part of a four-part contemporary romantic series uh, set against the background of working actors. Something that you know a, little, a thing or two well, about. Well, you write what you know, and I have been working in the business for several years. It is not necessarily autobiographical, but it's based on... Sure, many of the experiences that the actors in my book have, many have happened to me, many have happened to friends of mine. It's not if you're looking for... Valley of the Dolls, it's not, it's grounded in reality. It is grounded in reality, and it's the first in a series. Yes. Called the Fall Again series. Fall Again. Which is available as a paperback as well as an ebook and in Kindle at fallagainseries.com. Become an advertiser or underwriter of TV Confidential and let our brand help promote your brand. To find out more, go to televisionconfidential.com slash advertise. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS, and they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy, and I'm happy too. Thanks, tax doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-649-0142. 800-649-0142. That's 800-649-0142. Hi, this is Titus Welliver. You're listening to TV Confidential. Are payday loans ruining your life? Do you want control over your money again? If you have two or more 
payday loan cash advances, listen closely. You may be eligible for a program payday loan companies don't want you to know about. A program that may help get aggressive and unfair payday loan companies out of your bank account and get you back on track to financial freedom. Payday loan companies may trap you into paying outrageously high interest rates, and they take way too much of your hard-earned money every week. We understand their tactics and know how to keep them off your back. We'll fight hard to help you regain control of your money. If you have two or more payday loan cash advances, call right now for a free consultation. 800-488-5880. 800-488-5880. 800-488-5880. That's 800-488-5880. Hello, this is Robert Wagner, and you are listening to TV Confidential. Robertson Robertson, along Greg Airbark, Jonathan, David Dixon, and our guest, David Franken. David recently provided the voice of the narrator in Ben Wickie's stop-motion puppet animation adaptation, of the House of the Seven Gables. The House of the Seven Gables is now available on DVD through ArkhamBazaar.com as part of the HP Lovecraft Film Festival Best of 2018 Collection. David Franken will also be appearing at the Trek Conderoga Weekend in Ticonderoga, New York on August 23rd, August 24th, and August 25th. David is also profiled in the May to August edition of Film Facts Magazine. You can find Film Facts Magazine wherever publications are sold. You mentioned Jack Benny. Mm. What are your memories of him? Oh, well, a thrill because in England, even in England, we got the Jack Benny radio show. And uh, so I knew all, you know, the taglines and things and Rochester and all of that. And so I auditioned for that director who was well known, and I can't think of his name. And he said, Yes, okay. Uh, You'll have this scene with Mr. Benny. He comes in for a passport. I think it was called Jack Gets Passport or something like that. And so I hadn't met him until having got the part on the day of uh, uh, recording, of taping it. Ralph Levy was the director. Okay, all right. And so uh, the time came. I, of course, had memorized everything. I knew that Jack Benny was a a stickler for timing. (laughs) Boy, was he. so we came to do, we did a read-through, first of all, and no comment from Mr. Benny, and I did my stuff with, with of course, all the people who worked on the Jack Benny show got the, the line, age, please, so that Jack could say 39. <laughs> you know? So in this scene, I'm, I'm taking, he's coming in for a passport, and I'm not really looking up at him very much. So I'm saying, uh, name, Jack Benny, age, and then he says 39, and then when having said it, I looked up at the reading. But when I did that on the rehearsal, he said, no. He said, don't. He said, can you hear this? And I said, yes. He said, okay. When you ask my age and I say 39, he said, write it down. But he said, don't look up at me until you hear the click. Because I did it once looking up too fast. He said, no, that's too fast. He said, if you look up too fast, you'll kill my laugh, kid. And that was like, I'm going to kill you if you do <laughs> So, boy, did I get that right. I got that right, yeah. That's fascinating. I cued Jack Benny his, you know, 
39. You know? <laughs> uh, but, but that's interesting because that's how he did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a lovely, I have to say, he was a lovely man. And of course, I respected his enormous reputation of, of droll uh, takes and things. He wasn't pow, pow, pow ever, you know. Stan, that aside from being very protective of Don't Mess Up My Laugh, aside <laughs> from that, I understand that he was a very generous performer behind the scenes and yes. he would give his guest stars and his other actors yes. the latitude to do what they oh, needed oh to yes. do. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. Richard Deacon, do you remember mm -hmm. him? Oh was yes, on that show. from yes. Dick Van Dyke's show. I think that uh, Richard Deacon had done several and I got chatting to him and he said, oh you'll love working with Jack. He said, as long as, long as you get the timing right. <laughs> <laughs> he said that, as that, oh the little warning bells going off, you know, get the timing right. <laughs> but what's interesting about that is that he did make you funny by doing that. That's right, yes. Yes, that's right. Because in Jack's world, it's everything's insane around him. Yes. And he's walking around and everybody is making fun of him. Yes. And everybody sort of knows, is in on the joke, including yes. the audience. Yes. And he encounters these people who are seemingly normal, but they all do this to him. Yes. And so here's this guy at a counter, yeah. and even he does it. And so he brings that out of the people. So actually, he did it, and he did it just with a snap. That is remarkable. Uh, that's that's great to hear that, Greg. I never thought of it before that he gives the other actors the laugh in a way. Yes. Yeah, he said once that or he probably said it more than once, but I always felt like it was a model for good management. And when you see it on a television show, I think Ted Danson's an example of it. Mary Tyler Moore is a good example. Bob Newhart. Bob Newhart. He said that. If I had a funny line, but it was funnier coming from Dennis Day or ah, Rochester or Don Wilson, ah, I'd give them the line. Yes. But it was still my show. And on Monday morning, they'd say, did you watch the Jack Benny show or hear it on radio? It made my show better. Yes. And that's what separated him from, and I won't mention certain yeah. performers yeah. who said, I want the funny line. Of course, yes. And certain performers have actually lost their series because they got so insecure about their supporting players that they would grab the line. Ooh. And in one case, the supporting player had the straight line and made it funny. <laughs> And they just couldn't understand why that was. Uh -huh. But Jack Benny shows, I watch them, seriously, I watch them with my dog now. Uh -huh. She's four uh -huh. in people years, and it relaxes her and puts it, and I'll go like, oh, Romy, you know, you love Don. He's oh, adorable to get her to settle down oh, at night. You. Well, you do a great and the show Benny. is wow. hysterical. It never really dates because everybody knows people like that. Yes. And that humor that you mentioned mm. never really goes out of style. No, I suppose it doesn't. Well, speaking of never going out of style, David Frankham, it is always, always, always a treat to have you on our program, and I always love it when you think of us whenever you're in town, and I look forward to seeing you again very oh, soon. Oh, huge, a huge treat and a pleasure, Ed, always. Thank you. I loved your book. I love your work, and oh. I've always wanted to meet you, so this is quite a privilege and a joy. Thank oh, you very good. much. And Jonathan, it's good to see you, too, and <laughs> see you great again. work on the score. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, anyway, nice. thank you so much. Oh, great pleasure. You betcha. David Frankham provides the voice of the storyteller in the Ben Wiki's stop-motion puppet animation adaptation of The House of the Seven Gables. The House of the Seven Gables is now available on DVD through ArkhamBazaar.com as part of the HP Lovecraft Film Festival Best of 2018 collection. David Frankham will also be appearing at the Trek 
Ticonderoga weekend in Ticonderoga, New York on August 23rd, August 24th, and August 25th. David is also profiled in the May to August edition of Film Facts magazine. You can find Film Facts magazine wherever publications are sold. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. If you haven't been listening to TV Confidential, this is who you're missing. Connie Stevens. Don Wells. Eric Braden. Tony Camille. Jansen Williams. Don Most. Troy Finnis. Peter Marshall. Sherry Alberoni. George Slaughter. Dan Castellaneta. Taylor Hicks. Lindsay Wagner. Loretta Swift. And many, many more of your favorite celebrities and people behind the scenes in the world of television. That's TV Confidential. Every week on this station and every day online at televisionconfidential.com. Accredited by Guinness World Records, welcome to Archival Television Audio, Incorporated. A peerless TV soundtrack archive, preserving the audio from television's first three decades, the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, the golden and silver age of television. For more information, go to atvaudio.com. Become a TV Confidential confidant and receive unlimited access to the last five years of TV Confidential, plus other members-only content. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com slash join. We're Biffle and Schuster. How do you do? That's right, folks. We're Biffle and Schuster. We want to tell you about this amazing misadventures of Biffle and Schuster. It's a DVD from Keto Lover, and you're going to love it. We're Biffle and Schuster. It's terrific. You know what uh, Joe Dante says about them? What did he say? He says, forehead slapping funny. What impresses is the dogged authenticity to the era, which makes it all the more hilarious. Absolutely. Accent on the high. We're Biffle and Schuster, as you can see. No one else can make that statement louder than we. They say we're soporific and it's probably we. We're Biffle and Schuster. Oh, we're Biffle and Schuster. No, no. We're Biffle and Schuster. B-I-F-F-L-Biffle. Biffle. to Schuster. Biffle and Schuster. Need we say more? Available wherever DVDs are sold through our friends at Kino Lorber. All right, you loafers, get back to work. What am I paying you for? Why is he yelling at his shoes? Alexa users, you can now listen to TV Confidential on your smart speaker by just saying, Alexa, play TV Confidential. Enabling our Alexa skill is easy. To find out how, go to televisionconfidential.com slash Alexa. This portion of TV Confidential is sponsored by Uber. Enter the promo code TV Confidential, all one word, when you download the app at get.uber.com slash go slash TV Confidential, and you'll receive a free first ride up to $20. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, thoughts on this week's program or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, 
or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.